So, uh, what's up? What's your favorite scary movie? Showgirls. Absolutely frightening. What's yours? podcast and the nerds who haunt themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and I love movies, which is lucky because each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. Whether you're a regular listener or just dropping by for this episode, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoy the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am I Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by Tom Stewart as we bring Spooktober to a close with a sequel to last year's Halloween special, as we take a look at Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson's 1997 meta-slasher sequel, Scream 2. And now with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introductory stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. students were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie Stab. It's starting again, Randy. This has nothing to do with us. Randy, a guy in a ghost mask hacked up two people in the movie theater telling our life stories. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders. Do you think the killer will strike again? We have no evidence that this is a serial killer. It's a classic case of life imitating art, imitating life. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Do you think someone's trying to duplicate Woodsboro? It looks like it. I think you have a copycat on your hands, Chief. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? I want you. It's showtime. are everywhere. There is some freaked out psycho trying to follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps you probably already know. The way I see it, someone's out to make a scene. So it's our job to observe the rules of the scene. Number one, the body count is always big. Two, death scenes are always much more elaborate. You just want to sit here and wait and see who drops next? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? No, I really mean that. Hi. How are you, Tom? <laughs> Good man. <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a line. Hi. I really mean that. <laughs> it's like I love that whole vapid thing of sorority. <laughs> it's just her face as well. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in a bit. But that awesome line she has about, you know, people think the sorority is just about blowjobs. <laughs> but that's not true. Oh man, I kid you not, man. It's like some of the the, the funniest bits are are with the sororities. Like you say, we'll get into it. But yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> I am. I am good. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this one since since we did last year's Halloween special. Yes. So same. So for those who can't guess what we're talking about, we're going to be talking about Scream Two, following on from last year's Scream. <laughs> 
So a little bit of information about the film. So directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, starring David Arquette, Neve Campbell. Do you say Neve or Nev? I say Neve. I've always said Neve. Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jamie Kennedy, Laurie Metcalf, Jerry O'Connell, Jada Pinkett, uh, Liev Schreiber, and then they're not on the poster, but Timothy Timothy Oliphant, uh, Omar Eaps, and David Warner. Released in cinemas on the 12th of December 1997 in the US and the 1st of May 1998 in the UK. Which, that's a massive gap. It is. Given, I mean, we'll get into it again with this, that the script leaked and they were so determined not to have the killer leak that... Yeah. And I know the internet, it was an early days thing then, but still. But anyway, um, grossed $172,363,296 worldwide on an estimated budget of $24 million, according to IMDb. And for comparison, the first screen grossed $173,046,656 worldwide on an estimated budget of $14 million. So it made just under a million less and cost 10 million more to make. But, you know, still a huge profit. I think that extra 10 million to make just went on doing that stupid fucking stage. (laughs) (laughs) And having David Warner for like a day, two minutes. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, it's bigger in scope, more sets and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's still. You know, 24 million budget. Yeah. That'd be an indie movie now. It would, yeah. Mind you. Crazy. Weinsteins are involved, so they've always been fiscally tight with their budgets. Yeah, I always I always kind of... the the, the Everything kind of clenches uh, when I'm looking at the credits and I just see it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I always forget. I always forget. Even though it's, you know, Miramax or whatever, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> That's it. So many... Films you love, I've got his dirty fucking fingerprints all over him. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying, like all sequels, this one is a transparent attempt to cash in on the original. But of course it knows it is, and contains its own learned discussion on se- of sequels. The verdict is that only a few sequels have been as good as the originals, the characters especially like Aliens and The Godfather Part 2. As for Scream 2, it's... Well, it's about as good as the originals. Uh, I was not frightened by the boo moments in Scream 2, and I found the violence kind of inappropriate. This movie is gorier than the original, and that detracts from the witty screenplay by Kevin Williamson. There was no Barry Norman review, so again, I've gone to Empire Magazine, where Kim Newman gave the film four stars out of five, saying, Like most sequels, it's hamstrung because giving you what you liked last time doesn't account for the fact that what you liked last time was surprising then, but isn't anymore. If it has a real problem, it's that all the good stuff piled into the film means that the heroine rather fades into the background until the literally stagey climax with traumatised good girl Campbell too often required to play the straight woman to master people with knives and unmask people with better lines. A clever parody of a simple trend. Once again, we are treated to a movie mocking its own conventions. Some great comic and terrifying moments, but suffers for not being as original as the original. Which I think is fair enough. It isn't as, as original as the original. I think that's a pretty bang-on review, actually, of it. I, I always I always remembered it being a bit more inventive with stuff, but I think that might have just been, I don't know, maybe an age thing from when I first watched it and now having watched like more stuff, growing up a little bit, I'm like, eh, it's just it's just basically the first film, like again, you know, even down to like like certain lines of dialogue and stuff, I was like, this is kind of just exactly the same as the first one. 
Which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's always been my second favourite. Mm. I think for me, the first three, the order that came out is the order I enjoyed them in kind of thing. Um, but it does largely repeat a lot. And I found this time I was picking at... Oh, I've got so many notes. It's because I was picking at the uh, <laughs> film a little bit more. There's a lot of plot <laughs> contrivances in this one that just seem to yeah. fall into place. Um but again, this film was hamstrung by the script yet in leaks, so they had to change so much of it. Yeah. I think originally yeah, yeah. it was meant to be four killers. Mm-hmm. Then it was going to be three, and then they changed it. Um, there's some really nice tense moments in this film, though, which we'll get into as it goes along. And I do quite like the subtle ways they sort of throw suspicion on everybody. Mm-hmm. But... But so before we get into that, what are your memories of first seeing it? Was it a video shop job or? I'm just trying to remember what it was. Now, was this one that it had? Did it have a cover at one time that was two faces, like yes. the first one? Yeah. Now I always remember seeing that in the video shop. I don't know if that was um, the sole cover, but it was definitely the background. I know the cinema poster was the five people and it was jerry o'connell then when it came out yes. on dvd it was Liev schreiber instead mm-hmm. which i was all like what the fuck did jerry o'connell do <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always remember the double screaming faces um yeah because i think one of them's jada pinkett i think the other one might be neve campbell i can't remember honestly i can't remember but the thing i always remember about it more than anything um it was that when it originally came out, it had like a tagline on it that was like funnier. No, what was it? No, it was like scarier, sexier, some something or and funnier. Funnier. And I was yeah. yeah, and I always remember that bit and going like funnier. Like it just it it, it was weird because I always remember the first one and being like the first one wasn't funny. And I then, think because they got round the American rating system I think Bob Weinstein's thing to get it passed at the rating without any more cuts for them was for him to go look at it like it's a comedy yeah and then that's how they got around it and I think they got around it this time with this one by having that discussion in the film group about films influencing yes. real life and so it was, that was their way to get around it it was that as well though it was um, I mean it is a, it's a very meta horror film or whatever you know so it does have really funny moments in it and it was scream was always that thing as well it wasn't just an out and out horror film it was actually like it was meant to have genuinely funny moments in it like you say like the high i really mean it. You know what i mean like it's it always said like funny bits in it but that that bit always that line always struck me and it was that i remember seeing that a lot everywhere and then one day being in global, and I think the guy was like playing it on the the tellies when you go oh, to yeah. the shop, and being like, "He's playing Scream, like in like broad daylight." I mean, there's the kids walking about, and he's just playing Scream. That's, yeah, um, that's a bold move. It was. That, that'll get you shut down. Fucking. <laughs> well, he still he still played it. He put multiple times. Um, I went to HMV. We weren't allowed to put anything on the DVD player that was higher than a PG. Yep. Um, I remember that. Um, then we had to look at what the actual breakdown was, like mild threat, mild horror, that kind of thing. And mild uh-huh. horror, it was like, nope, go find a U. 
the thing that always sort of shocked me my my time at HMV was we were allowed to put the last Harry Potter film on. And I thought, isn't that going to spoil it for loads of people? When they suddenly walk in to go buy the movie and here's the last scene playing out. You know what I mean? Like, it was just odd. But anyway, um, yeah, you used to play it like a lot. Um, Scream uh, 2 more than anything. Um, and the reason I always remember that is because it was Sarah Michelle Gellar getting chucked off the balcony and the, oh God, what's his name? Our boyfriend. Uh, who's the guy that plays our boy, Sydney's boyfriend? Oh, um, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry O'Connell. He's um, that bit when he's up on the star. I always remember that, and I'm getting shot. I, <laughs> I, just... I, have, I have notes on that. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that, like playing in the in the store and being like, "What the fuck? It was like, what's going on?" And then it was like years later. I eventually saw it in like Sky Movies or something like that. But it was just always playing in my head, like scary, scarier, sexier, funnier, scarier, sexier, funnier. And I'm being like, just constantly going funnier. Like, just it just stuck with me. Just like funnier. I don't get it. I don't understand. And now, like, like I totally understand. Like you say, it's just it's getting around on like censorship and stuff and. Um, there's also the like I say the added thing of it being meta and that as well, but it was just weird. It was just always yeah. strange to me. It is one of those things because the screen films are funny by their very nature, but they're not. I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't sell it on that. I'm no. like, it's a laugh out loud. It's like if you like, there's something about Mary or Love Screen. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. It was such a bizarre way of selling it, and it sounds like something that you get from the yeah. Sun or something like that. Yep. <laughs> one of those really lazy. I know. It was it was what made when it was it was what when um scary movie came out, it was what made that odd. Because then I was like, was Scream's already a comedy? Like yeah, in my head. You were parodying a parody, weren't you? It's Exactly. But yeah, no, I mean this was a cinema job for me. So thirtieth of April nineteen ninety eight. At eight fifteen I went with my then girlfriend, Ding, mm-hmm. for the people who like the my then girlfriend. Um and <laughs> some people I work with at Tesco's and um we just all sat in a row and I remember the film fucked up halfway through and it all kicked off. Oh but no. They put it back to where it was and we and that was when I discovered that wearing glasses in a horror film is great because if there's any bits where you're like, I don't want to jump in front of all these fucking people that I know, so I could just do this. <laughs> so I was constantly like, There's some shit on my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and that became the, my go-to move for not looking yep. like a pussy when I'm watching a film. <laughs> the old uh, on the glasses and yeah. steam them up, and oh, I just need to get these off. <laughs> <laughs> I do always remember my um, just thinking about it. There, I think it was either my friend or my cousin, one of the two, describing the start of the film to me. Now that happened with Scream as well. My, I think I remember telling you before. My friend described the whole. Um, Drew Barrymore opening scene to me, and it just terrified me when he when he when he described it. And then eventually, when I saw it, it was like, oh, it's not as scary as it's what like he when made somebody out. describes a scene from a comedy, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, that it's sounds like... hilarious. I can't wait to watch that. And you, <laughs> then you watch it, and you're like, it's funny when he did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I just remember them telling me about about um, Jada going up to the the screen and screaming and all the blood and everything. 
and then I remember actually watching it and being like, oh, "Good." Like, <laughs> just like, I, like the most annoying person to. I mean, that I, um, is kind of the thing with Scream. They became famous for their opening scenes, so this one had a yeah. lot to fucking do. And this is one of my big things with plot conveniences. Yep. It's like it's, it's really good, but then when you think about it, it's like was I'm assuming it was Mickey. I think if you watch the Who Killed Who, Zach Cherry video, oh, yeah, 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 says it. Yeah. Um, so was Mickey waiting in that stall on the off mm-hmm. chance that Phil would go for a pee? Yeah. What if the two ghost face hadn't have been there? Yeah, exactly. To make him go into the cubicle. How did he know where his head was? It was just, it was just weird. I found that that opening one just tried to fit too much in, in one go. I didn't, I didn't, I've never enjoyed that start up as much at all because it, it goes very slow to start off with, with the whole them sitting watching it and everybody getting rowdy in the cinema and stuff, and then basically playing the whole first, the opening of the first film, um. But it's stab, so it's Heather yeah, Graham and Heather like Graham instead. Sleazy slasher movie. Yeah, I, I do yeah, like yeah. that stuff. That stuff's quite funny. And the fucking company that made Stab give you an awesome giveaway of a whole fucking ghost face costume. I know, I know. Everybody in the... is like a fucking print of a T Rex for one of the Jurassic Parks. <laughs> <laughs> we have to buy a up. <laughs> the thing, the thing that got me um, watching it as well was like you love how everybody was going nuts and throwing popcorn everywhere and screaming and shouting and like making the stab and stuff. But because Jada Pinkett Smith at one point gives it, um, sorry, Jada Pinkett at one point just gives it, um, oh get out of there! They're all like shh to her. She says something once and they all shush her, but the rest of the time they're all like. Bleh. Yeah, no. It's like how could you even hear her over all the other fucking? I mean, admittedly, if I was the guy sat next to her, I'd want a fucking knife for talking that much. Yeah. To the fucking thing. I'm not advocating knife in your date at the cinema. <laughs> um, if they'd yeah. have just gone to see Sandra Bullock, they'd have lived. Exactly. exactly. I don't know which Sandra Bullock film it was. Would be ninety eight Speed Two. Speed, yeah, seven? Speed Two, yeah. Um, well, I would have thought get so. naked in that, so. Um, no, it I do like was... that image of the two ghost face peeing. Yeah, and both turn around. The way like... they turn and look. <laughs> it is convoluted. I do quite like it though, and that shot of her just up on the stage screaming. Yeah, that is good. I always thought that was quite. I found it quite over the top this time. It's like both really over the top and really kind of affecting. Because imagine being knifed in front of like three hundred witnesses and none of them are cotton onto it. That's got yep. to be more terrifying than being on your own. It's quite, it's quite. Um, I don't know. It's quite poignant though, because obviously we've had like a lot of like tragic stuff that have happened yeah. in cinemas and stuff since then. So yeah, it's it weird. Bit... It should be the place that you're safe, so you should be able to watch a scary movie and know you're safe. But it's just strange, like now knowing that stuff like that has actually. Not like that, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like weird, like horrible. Some fucking tragic... him with a gun or. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and then you watch that opening scene now and it just plays totally different. You're like, oh. Because um, I just always think of obviously the whole fucking Joker yeah. guy thing and people thinking it was part of the show, you know, and that's the same thing. Um, not to make it too serious, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, no, no, I know what you mean. Um, it was just, it played really odd. Um, 
but it is it's quite affecting that whole bit. It's the way she falls as well. Like she's on her knees and she falls all the way back, like flat in the eyes, like up. I think it's probably the best acting Jada's ever done in her life. Um, I mean, everything leading up to that point, Pish, uh, that bit, great. And then everything after that that she's ever done, shite, you know. Um, to be honest, beyond <laughs> this and like a couple episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but I didn't really clock her in that. I don't think I'd really seen no. her in anything. Matrix. Yeah. It was I mean, Matrix was for me. Though, but yeah. And then That's... she was just famous for being Will Smith's wife to me. And I'm not taking anything away from her by saying that but you know to me no, it's just where you, yeah, yeah, she became yeah, yeah. famous as Jada Pinkett Smith yeah and was well, the girl from Scream 2 that was kind of the same it was it was it was always um Scream 2 um the Matrix and uh that was it and then like years later she was in Gotham but I never watched that so I just knew she I, was in it yeah I gave up on Gotham I must admit um, yeah. that is a scene that's parodied in the first scary movie isn't it Yes, when it she, is. Yeah, she's being mouthy in the cinema, and then everybody just starts knifing. <laughs> yeah, everyone does it, and then she gets up and screams in front of the cinema, and they're all like, <laughs> "Um, no." The the funnier bit that gets parodied of that is Ray listening through in the glory hole, and then he gets the cock three seer. <laughs> it's the whole like goody goody like that thing. Except that bathroom is. Apparently, I can't quite get it clear enough to hear it, but apparently he's saying, Mickey's saying, don't tell mummy what you did, Billy. Which is meant to be like the first red flag clue as to who the other killer is. But I've never been able to hear it clear enough to... No, I I heard something about like mummy or or something like, something along those lines, but I never... Because I always thought he was like, heard two people having sex. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then it's yeah. But, but then we could just be confusing scary movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Because that that literally those scenes play almost identical. Well, it's kind it's of just the only a... thing I could imagine that he'd be like, ooh, ooh, sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he's already they've already made reference as well about him being like oh, oh you know. Asshole. Yeah, he's watching he's, Heather he's Graham. He's a proper fucking bloke, isn't he? Yep. Oh, I mean, she's getting me turgid or whatever. You're like, thank God oh, he went on God. to be in house and redeemed himself, but <laughs> <laughs> he was great in the house as well but yeah it's just... also <laughs> he goes to the bathroom that early into the film during that key scene yep either how weak is his bladder or how bad is the stab movie what I always think as well is like how did she not notice that he went from like getting all randy and speaking about it and scaring her and everything to going like completely fucking silent <laughs> like there's just nothing he's just Sitting staring at the screen, like, all right, like, not a thing. She's hugging on to him and everything, and he's just not even moving, you know. It's like it's in Halloween nothing. 5, where Michael Myers kills the girl's boyfriend and then drives the car, and she's in the car, and then the whole time not realizing that it's Michael Myers and not her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> like, his hands are fucking mutilated. He's not saying a word, <laughs> but fine, whatever. So funny. But then. Obviously, you get that. You get the big scream thing. I like say that opening's great. It just doesn't stand up to repeat viewing. The first scream, five stars. Oh yeah, so, <clears throat> God, yeah. Opening well thought out, well planned. And I also get that they had the issue with this one that they were rewriting on the day at times. So Wes Craven didn't have the time to put the planning in. Yeah, like I think the only planning he put into 
Ghostface that he insisted on was that they always used left hand. Yes. To stab. Um, but yeah, there's that very funny thing. I think it's like a little behind the scenes thing of where Craven being like, all oh, you fuckers who leaked the script. Hope you're fucking happy. <laughs> you might never in screen two. It's such a weird thing to leak that script as well. Yeah, I know. Why it's just odd. Get on the film because you know it's going to get out and they're going to have to change it. For like, unless you were like, you know, I really don't want Jerry O'Connell to be the killer. I do. You know what? <clears throat> Personally, I think they just uh, people getting a sequel just didn't want it to be a complete repeat. Like they didn't want it to be the boyfriend again and stuff like that. So it's maybe just yeah. Been that. I, I think in that sense it worked because I think if it had been Derek that would have just been like oh really fuck's sake yeah I know um, it really seemed like it was as well Um it just all points were going towards that I mean it was just uh, they, they, they did a good I think they did a good bait and switch but it was also it was a bit piss poor as well yeah I think there were too many bait and switches yeah at a certain point um I mean, like I said, I'll get into the Derek stuff as and when he comes up. Obviously, we get Lucky Day in Hell by the Eels, and then Sydney's got Caller ID now, which is smart. Which apparently, after Screen came out, sales of Caller ID went right up. I can imagine. <laughs> um, I'll let you get a little Kevin Williamson interview, interviewing Cotton on the TV, so he gets a little cameo. Mm-hmm. We had a cameo in the cinema scene of the um, director of photography, who's the guy serving really? the popcorn. <laughs> he also has a cameo in Scream 3 where he's the guy eating the popcorn as they're going around the studio tour. But we'll get to that next it's... year. Wes isn't in it this time, though, is he? No, not what I know of. No. Um, Sorry, Wes. Th- there is a Freddy jumper, though, hang- or a Freddy-esque jumper hanging up yes. in Haley's wardrobe. I noticed that. <laughs> Girl in the co- corridor It's like, check out the news, guys. <laughs> like so over the top that faux fucking anybody we yep. know or vaguely know has died I'm broken kind of <laughs> I, I've met those kind of people but I like that the press is straight on Sydney as well. I know they don't muck about in this film the press but and then we get the where's Randy <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the film class which is a scene that it's got one glaring fucking thing in it that always pisses me off, and it's when Randy misquotes or corrects the guy who quotes Alien, corrects Joshua Jackson quoting "Get away from her, you bitch," as "Stay away from her, you bitch." As yeah, from Aliens. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real life sequel? Stab two? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. Hey, no, oh, wow. come on, man. Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. It's bullshit generalization. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. Yeah. Aliens. Far better than the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's no accounting for taste. Thank you, Ridley Scott rules. Name another. No. <laughs> Aliens is a classic, okay? Get away from her, you bitch. I believe the line is stay away from her, you bitch. It's film class, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. whatever. You know what I mean. Another. T2. Mm. You got a hard on for Cameron. Big one. Yeah. But wait a second. The first Terminator is historical. Yeah. Sarah Connor. Yes. <laughs> wait, come on. All right, all right, all right, okay. House 2, the second story. Oh, what? The entire horror genre was destroyed by sequels. I got it, by the way. I got it. 
The Godfather, part two. All right, that's enough. That'll be a wrap. The sequel discussion to be continued. It's like, no, Joshua Jackson was right, but apparently that scene was originally shot in the theater with different actors, and then they had to reshoot it to put Sarah Michelle Geller in it. Uh, so what? they changed the professor actor, and apparently the line was right in the first one, but Joshua Jackson read said the wrong line, and Jamie Kennedy just went with it. Uh, Which I don't get where line. they left it. You just reshoot it, surely. Yeah. Unless they're just kind of like, Randy doesn't know that much about films after. They've also got a major fucking thing against James Cameron. Yeah, I know. That was really odd. And they had like a total dig at the house series of films as well, which I was like, I mean, they're not amazing, but like... Yeah, because Joshua Jackson says House 2 is better than the first one, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like, um, House 2, the second story, and they're like, like, I mean, I'm, I'm like... I know they're not great, but fucking hell, man. <laughs> there are some weird choices in this film. Like yeah. Randy suddenly going into an English accent for no fucking reason. No no reason. Nobody That's knows just... why he did it. Apparently, like they showed it to Jamie Kennedy in like 2019, and he was like, I have no idea why I did it. And he's just pissing himself laughing at it. Because Jamie Kennedy, at that time especially, was like... He was the prankster. He was like the Tom Green of that kind of yeah. time. You know what I mean? Because him and Tom Green were like the the MTV prankster people. And honestly, he probably just did it to be like, "Oh, look at me! I'm so kooky." And it's like, oh, fucking hell. I don't mind Jamie Kennedy. He's all right. Um, yeah, isn't he's never been a, he's never been like a as as much of a kind of issue. Um, he's he's never he's, he's never like been that... Jim Carrey off a wish, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is. Um, I don't. I really don't mind him, but he's fine. I, I was know. generally gutted when he died in this film. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. it comes up, but and then we we meet Derek as well. Which I was like, it's fucking Jerry O'Connor from Sliders. I loved yeah. Sliders at the time because Sliders was still in its <laughs> prime of not having gone shit yet. And then somebody was like, he's the fat kid from Stand by Me. I was like, you fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> Never put that together. Yep. Um, yep. I really like Derek. I didn't mind him, but he just came across too much. Like, um, even though he wasn't, he to to me as I was watching, I was like, he comes across too much as like Christian camp leader. Yeah. I was like, I just, I don't see it's, it. It's it's the blue polo and the white chinos, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Billy made sense for Sydney. Uh, Derek does not. <laughs> I, I get going for the polar opposite, but yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm partly put in that I like Jerry O'Connell from Sliders as well. So when you mm-hmm. recognise an actor, you sort of put that onto it as well. But he does I come do like across him. as like a super awesome boyfriend. Yeah. Until uh, they start like putting a sinister twist on. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, Why did he only slash you and miss every artery? It's like, wait. I love that. Wait. I love the way Mickey. Sort of sows those seeds where he's coming across mm-hmm. and you know, we'll be there for you, Sid. We're really I'm like really supportive. Again, I really like Mickey in this film. Mm-hmm. Even when he That's turns out to be the killer and he's just fucking nuts though. Tim- Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant, the, the fucking best man. Like I love him. Absolutely love him. Loved him as Hitman. I love him in the girl next door. 
uh, I haven't seen Santa. No, I haven't. Santa Carla. Santa... Yeah, um, but my mate absolutely adores it. Um, he's amazing and um, justified. Um, he's just he's a great actor. He's a great I've, yeah, actor. I've always liked Timothy Oliphant. In one of Kevin Smith's books, he says about when he made the film with him, he was fucking horrible. But I'm like, whatever. <laughs> what film did he make with Timothy Oliphant? Uh, Catch and Release, the Jennifer Garner. He that whole Catch and Release thing. He had a he just had shit with everybody in that. He had that thing with Jen- he had the whole thing with Jennifer Garner at that point yeah. as well. Um, I get the feeling that Kevin Smith's one of those people you either like him or you don't. <laughs> yeah, he's to definitely his yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, I think if you feed his ego, then you'll get on with him. Like I say, it's quite possible Timothy Oliphant didn't like him and therefore was a bit of a dick to him. Passive aggressively, but <laughs> Timothy Oliphant's not my best mate. I just like him as an actor and I like him in things. I yeah, liked him same. in Go. I thought he was acing Go. Mm-hmm. But um, he's a very good actor. Yeah, he's he's really good in this. Like I say, he goes from the supportive thing to then just sowing the seeds. Like, why would you rush back into the house though? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, it's genius to just give him a minor flesh wound to start sowing those seeds a day, mm-hmm. not actually killing him. Yep. Um, and then Courtney Cox turns up, and I think we both agree that she looks fucking amazing in this film. I'm oh. not saying that as a lecherous dude guy. I am. <laughs> I don't um, think Ran, uh, Dewey's being bitchy when he uh, compliments her streaks. No, I don't think he is. He's like Pete she, Courtney Cox in this. She looks great. But like she, I said to you she, when you sent me that thing yesterday, you can see why her name's in the running for Lois Lane in the Nick Cage film around that yeah, time. <clears throat> totally. 100%. She looked incredible. It was like holy Christmas. Like... Yeah. Unbelievable, and she was like, I think that's like height of fame at that point for her as well, wasn't yeah. it? Um, that's like peak friends and everything as well. Yeah, it's the she hair, weird hair in the first one. It looked mm-hmm. like a wig. Yep, like a bad wig. Yep, yep, yep. I'm sure it wasn't, but I'm sure it's just nineties style. <laughs> I like the um, I like the bit that they they suddenly hover like smoking at one point, and it's actually commented on as like, why is she smoking now? Oh, it's like oh you know pictures. Yeah, it's because they need pictures. And then that's that's just gone. That happens. It comes and goes. And you never actually see her smoking. She's just sitting with a cigarette in her yeah. hand. And it's like okay. <laughs> I, I do like the it was my head on Jennifer Anderson's body. So yes. you've got Courtney Cox, Jennifer Anderson gets name checked, and David Schwimmer gets name checked. Uh, yep. Which you've got the other three three friends being like, the fuck? Yeah. Here, Matthew Perry gets an offer that time. Well, Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Laurie Metcalf turns up as well. She's fucking great in this film. He is amazing. I always forget how good Laurie Metcalf is because I've always had mad respect for her from Roseanne. Yeah. Um, she I was, was here inc- as Roseanne and then she was in, is it Internal Affairs with Andy Garcia and Richard Gere? I'm pretty yes. sure she's in that as well. Yep. I know. Um, Fucking her small bit in uh, Uncle Buck, as well. Yes. Like she's just incredible, but she she isn't in a lot. She doesn't do a lot. Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but she doesn't do a lot at all. Um, she's quite private as well. Like so, she almost seems like off the radar. You know what I mean? Um, you never really see much of her at all. And then when she does appear, she's just incredible. 
I mean, we were speaking earlier on about Ladybird. I mean, she's she great as her mum. She oh, just, just, just incredible. You, you both love her and hate her at the same time in that movie. Yeah. You know I mean, um, because of how well she does it, um, but she plays a psycho so well because but she plays she, like this naive when she's the Debbie Salt character. Yep. Because she's there in plain sight all the way through. And mm-hmm. when you watch it back, you know she's a killer. You see all the bits where she disappears off. And yep. she's always in the right place kind of thing. Yep. And um, she's just so good at that sort of... Because I wonder whether she's... Obviously, I reckon she did Gail's course thing to see if mm-hmm. Gail would recognise her yep. as Mrs. Loomis. And then I wonder whether with this, when she goes up to Gail, whether she's testing it again. Mm-hmm. See if Gail will actually clock that she is Mrs. Loomis. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm assuming anybody listening has watched the film already. Yeah. But yeah, she's so good and you kind of just forget about her. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way. She's just so good in that role. Like when she gets dressed out by Courtney Cox. So good. So, so good. She, Laurie Metcalf is so good at that that she plays such a pivotal role and a huge part whilst also I don't know, like it's not just the thing of hiding in plain sight, like you say, like you're right, that that is what it is, but I don't know, I just it's so I, I, I just think it's so artful how she does it. Like because she isn't a large majority of the film. She really, really is, but you just you don't you don't even think about her. No, it's one of she's memorable. Without so unassuming. Shedding. Yeah, she's so I, unassuming. I said to you before, I've been re-watching the Star Trek films, and Laurie Metcalf is one of those actors that I don't think gets the credit she deserves. Yeah. I also, with re-watching Star Trek, DeForest Kelly, who is Bones, amazing actor, never yeah. really got the recognition he deserved mm-hmm. for that, possibly because he was in sci-fi. Yeah. But and there's just like a few of these, they often get dismissed as being like TV actors, like Laurie Metcalf. She's a TV actor. Neve Campbell, she was a TV actor. Courtney Cox, she was a TV actor. Yeah, Courtney Cox gets that a lot. And she gives a fucking performance of a lifetime in this film. Yeah. She's amazing. Oh, her Um, chemistry with David Arquette, I know that it was the height of them starting to date. Yeah. Period thing, but their chemistry is off the fucking chain. Mm -hmm. And like it. Like arguing when Dewey's throwing the quotes back at her from her book, yeah. And then he's like, "How do you know my unassuming thing wasn't a thing?" So like, <laughs> and then she just laughs at him, and it's almost like she breaks character. Yeah, that breaks character she... within the character, and it's just such a lovely little moment. She's um, she's so good. Like, like I said to you, like she's ruthless as hell, um, but she's also her like softness towards Dewey, Dewey is unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Um, I don't know, man. Like, she, I think she's great in the screen films. Full stop. I've not seen the newer ones, obviously. I do. Um, like spoilers because it happens in the first four as well. I don't like how they keep flip flopping her back on her character. I get that you know she might slip back twelve ways a little bit, but mm-hmm. she sort of seems to go on a journey in each film and then regress right back. Yeah, she goes straight back to, to being the, the plot for the next one kind of thing. Yeah. And it's why let her yeah. have some character growth. She has some real character growth in this film, more so than the first one. 
it annoyed me when um, she pushed um, Sydney so much to the point where she punched her yeah. or slapped her, whatever way you want to see it. But um, yeah, that was annoying because I'm like, think of the fact that she did kind of save them in the first one. Um, and then you've got them just kind of going back to being ratty and catty again. It was I, like I can kind of forgive it with this one. It's as it happens later on because the end of this yeah. one obviously she goes off with Dewey again. Spoilers for the very end. But and then in the next one they've broken up again. And it's like fuck me. Yeah. Yep. But I kind of get it with this because she's a. I mean, even Joel, a cameraman, says it's cold when she springs cotton weary on her. Yeah. And is then kind of like the man you have locked up for two years and took away two years of his life, kind of thinks like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, we might help you. It's like when Sydney says, "Be kind." She saved our life. Yeah. To Randy, but you kind of get the yeah. feeling there was an angle for that. The fact she filed a news report at the end of the first film. Yeah, she does. She does. Um, you know, be kind. She she saved our life, and then within the same sentence is like, "Ah, oh, fuck this!" Boof. <laughs> <laughs> then you got Haley with that great ad lib line of a. Uh, Did you get that on film? Yeah. Did you get that on film? Yes, I got that on film. <laughs> Which apparently was her ad lib, and she was really proud of it. When she got really pissed off with him because he threw it back at her in the voice. She was like, you stole my outlet. But she had to do it because it worked for the film. Yeah, it was so good though. Like him saying that back like that was hilarious. Like it was so funny. I love the um, well, have you seen the interview with that actor where he's it was him who insisted that he leave halfway through the film. That you know, he's the only sensible character in a horror film. He leaves. Oh, yeah. Kramer was like, All right, well, how would you leave? He's like, I'll just get in a taxi. Was Kramer's like, You want to literally leave the film by getting into a taxi? He's like, Yeah, he's like Fuck it, all right. <laughs> and it's such a great little thing because he has that great line of like brothers don't last long in this situation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I also love his the, the splitting hairs about how Kenny the cameraman died. Like, I heard your last camera. I read your book. Your last cameraman was good. I made that up for the book. He had his throat slashed. He's like, it's <laughs> slashed. The brother ain't in the union anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. I kind of really... wish he had a redemptive moment at the end. Yeah, he just he ended up that bit at the end. I think almost reduced his character because he's he's, he's then just like, "Come on, you do a news report." Yeah, he either should have come back in a heroic moment. Yeah, I suppose they had that with Cotton anyway, or just not come back at all. I thought he just wasn't going to come back again, and and. and... I'd said to you, in screen three. <laughs> yeah, I'd said I'd said to you before that like I couldn't remember large swaths of this film at all. Like there was loads of stuff that I just forgotten, and I forgot that he didn't come back. Uh, that he came back. Sorry. Um. So I was thinking to myself like, oh, I'm glad like he 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 left. That says there's a bit done. So when he turned back up, I was like, why is he back again? Like he he has no reason to come back again. It doesn't make any sense. There's yeah. there's no reason that he would he he literally said to her when he left like you need your head checked see you later <clears throat> and then he suddenly comes back like come on Gail let's do it like the old days I'm like what what old days he was like the new guy like I don't understand yeah it's it felt like one of those moments that was they shot it first and they were like yes shit we got to use it. It's, there's little, odd little bits like that in this film, I find. Like I said, as much as I love this film, there is inconsistencies in it. I 
I th- I think I would definitely if you were to do it out of the f- first three, I would put this last. That's fair enough. I do get that there are people who really dislike this one and put it at the bottom of their list out of all six, which I th- I think is harsh. But <laughs> well, I've seen I've I've seen four of them, right? Yeah. So I've seen the first four, and I would probably put it as the last one. I would yeah, put I put one in. From what I can remember, I would put it one, four, three, two. Yeah, I'm um, one, two, four, three. Yeah, four uh, was really was... good. Four oh, was, I didn't four like was... the first time I watched it. Second time I watched it, I was like, no, I fucking get this film now. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, we, we'll, we'll get onto that one in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> I think <clears throat> I think three is the one I've seen the most. That's out of, out of all of them. But that was because it used to play on Sky like yeah. constantly um <clears throat> three is also one of those ones that they could actually play uh midday by cutting like the impact on everything because it's not as gory as like yeah, the rest of them i mean again we'll come to it next year but it was after the columbine thing so yes um they, they so that was toned down all the gore yeah so that was one of the ones that they could play at like tea time yeah and they just they just cut a lot of bits off of it, so it's probably the one I've seen the most. I think part um, of this with this one as well is I've just got nostalgia for it. I've got nostalgia for going to see it. I mean, I saw the third one at the cinema as well. I've got nostalgia for going to see it in the cinema. I've got nostalgia for going and buying it from Blockbuster when it came out on video and getting a mm-hmm. free screen mask <laughs> that I wasn't wearing when we started this Zoom call. <laughs> the, the pea head screen mask. <laughs> I can't believe how tiny it made my head look. I need a hood. Really Next did. year I'm gonna get a hood. It came on in the in the little box for Zoom was like over your body and I just saw the mask and I was like, oh that's great. And then I as soon as the box disappeared, so I'll post it. <laughs> as soon as the box disappeared, I just looked and went, Your head looks so small. <laughs> I, I look like a little like Beetlejuice at the end of the film. <laughs> Oh, it was so funny. At least I found something slimming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's sort of. I love. I like Liev Schreiber anyway. Mm-hmm. I love how he plays Cotton Weary. It's like this fame hungry guy who's not been. You know, feels like he's owed something, and just yeah. comes across as like you know, I'm the good guy, but really mm-hmm. unhinged at the same time. He's just—it's the—it was played up for the fact that obviously they they had to throw you off, so it was really played up um, to the fact of like making him really uneasy and stuff. But you got to remember as well, he was in prison. Yeah, like he got wrongly accused and put in prison, um, and his lover was the one who was murdered. So yeah, you don't know how serious that was, but he was sleeping with Sidney's mum. Mm-hmm. But there was a connection there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, he's going to be a bit not all there. And he thinks that the way for him to claw back his life is to make some money out of it. You know what I mean, make some money out of his story, which I completely get yeah. because he's not, he, he thought that all his prospects are gone. If he can make a good living off of being who he is, then why not? So when somebody then starts denying him that, the person who was um, responsible for him being away in the first place, you can see why he could get a bit ratty about it. But as he says as well, he's like, I'm only like, I'm just arguing. Like I'm not, I'm not actually going to cause her any harm. But 
him like touching her face and everything yeah. like that was so uncomfortable. I was like, oh, how shit we should... those two detectives protecting her? They just <laughs> leave her in the corner of the library to get grabbed by something. I know they didn't even notice that she disappeared. I do um, like how Wes Craven does a quick shot of his feet, so you see the screen boots mm-hmm. or the ghost face boots. Because originally, again, I think Cotton was meant to be one of the four killers. Yeah. I think it was meant to be Cotton, Mickey, Derek, and Mrs. Loomis. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be Derek, Mrs. Loomis, and Haley, which she's such a nothing character in this film. Yeah, completely. Um, which, you know, it just feels like they waste her. But, but yeah, I just, I thought Cotton was really interested, and I'm glad he lived so we could see him get more to do in the third film. I feel like they wasted Sarah Michelle Gellar as well. I mean, this yeah, was, that, was, was... that felt like Buffy's really popular. We can kill her. Yeah, it was just odd. Um, no. But yeah, her death's quite nicely done. I quite it like is. that. Again, she does the running up the stairs thing. I do mm-hmm. question and... locking that door with those big panes of glass. <laughs> not going to do anything, is it? You just no. smash the glass and unlock it. <laughs> I do, do like talk... how he sneaks in in the background. Yes, because again, that. kill count. I think it's Mickey for all of them, apart from Mrs. Loomis owns up to killing Randy. I think it's Mrs. Mm-hmm. Loomis that stabs Dewey. Yep, and she's the one making the phone calls. Yes, uh, all of them. That's sort of the conclusion he comes to because Mickey's too unhinged to be able to do the phone calls. He's yeah. definitely not doing the CC one because he sneaks in in the background when Ghostface is talking on the phone and he hasn't mm-hmm. got a phone on him. Um, oh, question for you uh, that I was never sure about. The person, like the actor that plays Ghostface, is it the same guy in all the films? Like, Is it the same stunt guy that always plays Ghostface or do they actually get a different person, like the actors to play them every time. That's something I should look into. That's one thing I've never quite figured. Because it's always the same kind of belt. Like Kane Hodder, Jason. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Because I know it's the same voice every time. same voice for all of them. I know it's the same voice, obviously. Yeah, I know sometimes they let the actors wear the things. I think sometimes they let the actors that aren't even Ghostface wear the thing, the costume just to sort of like fill in in a background thing or something. Yes. Yeah. So, for right. example, if Jerry O'Connell's hanging around the set and they're like, we need a ghost face in the background. Yeah. Some guy's busy with something else. Just chuck it on. and. Yeah. But I feel like it's always the same kind of build. Like yeah. every every time. And it's the same kind of height and stuff as well. And that's why like they always then struggle. Like they're, they're thrown off being like, Oh, I don't know who it is because it always just looks like the same person, yeah. like every time. Because when eventually, um, I can't remember. Is it the? I can't remember. There's one of them anyway where it's like they're in the gear. It shows them like taking the mask off, and you noticeably see the difference in oh, the body. Is that four with Emma Roberts? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it... Is it? No, it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it is. Um, yeah, this certain ones where you're like, well, you're a good foot shorter than the ghost face. I've been watching the whole film kind yes, of thing. But... It's, it's as soon as the mask comes off and you see it's the actual person like underneath, you're like, ah, like I can see it. You know what I mean? Like you really see like the shoulders are really thin. 
Yeah. And then and it's like, oh, right, okay. okay. I um, think the logic for it being Mickey for most of them is that with the exception of the Woodsboro ones, that's the only ones Mrs. Loomis is interested in killing. Everything else is just appeasing Mickey so it'll help kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do like that. The phone calls in this one I don't find are as effective as in the first film, but I guess they sort of blown their wad with that one. I generally don't really remember them. Yeah, I think that's the trouble. It's like you wish it was Ted. That's all yeah. thing with this one. Yep. I do like the Sydney Remember Me, because if that is Mrs. Loomis, that's kind of like a mm-hmm. Billy's mum <laughs> kind of thing. But Remember that time you came round for hot cocoa? <laughs> I like that Cece's watching Party of Fire as well, so that makes a whole Neve Campbell mm-hmm. paradox. But um, And I do like that she tells a stranger on the phone that she's home alone in a big fucking sorority house. Yeah. But she thinks it's Ted, so... <laughs> no, she doesn't then. She knows it's a stranger. Oh, no, she, no, she is. Because she keeps asking who you're calling for, yeah. which I'm like, what? why... Like, you know what's going on? Like, why are you suddenly being like, who's this? Yeah, well, I, I've got another issue with shits going on and you're pulling this fucking crap yeah. a bit later on. But um, I do like when she's looking around the house that her friend who is Selma Blair on the phone from Cruel Intentions and is the it? sweetest thing is Selma Blair. Is it? Voice on the phone, yeah. Oh my God, I never realised that. I, I do like that she does the kill, 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 kill. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Which is such a dickish thing to do. There's an intruder in my house. Cool. <laughs> but fuck off. <laughs> oh, I do love Selma Blair as well. I never even realised it was her. I didn't. Again, it was one of those bits of trivia. I think it was either Wes Craven on the commentary or it was in something. It popped up. It is a verified no. thing. It's not just an IMDB trivia kind of thing. I mean, it is, but it's back upable. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of IMDB stuff. Um. I do like that she's sensible enough to leave the house, but then goes back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she can't get campus security on the phone. I just like, fuck it, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to where I know there's lots of people. They break the rules. Like, Scream's always known for kind of either really showing the rules play out or breaking from them. And she broke the rules, and Sydney breaks the rules. Like, That's it. It's always know. the smart person who knows film. Yeah. So I don't know. I find it kind of contrived that it's names that match. So you've got a Maureen, a guy's surname is Stephen. Yeah, but then what, what that just gets a CCU actually turns out to be Casey. I do like that they yeah. suddenly bring Gail in and then all of a sudden are against her again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I do love how he sneaks in in the background. That was cool. When I did like on that. The phone, I thought that was a really cool bit. And that the TV suddenly changed from Party of Five to Nosferatu. Yep. And I quite yeah, like but... her death as well. You kind of feel those two stabs in the back before she's thrown over the... Oh, God, yeah. The thrown over the balcony as well looks brutal. Yeah. It's the smash through the window before it as well. Yeah. Like, oof, that's sore. I feel, yeah, I feel every bit of that. I always watch these films. I'm kind of like, I don't know if I could even be bothered to run. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder if it's just easier to just get stabbed. I don't want to get thrown through shit or off shit. Or... Yeah, exactly. She goes to like the highest point as well. Yeah. She doesn't just go like, you know, one level up. She goes like four levels up. <laughs> the only person who does something really smart is Gail when she goes into that 
soundproof room and she knocks mm-hmm. the bookcase over to stop him getting in. Just the, that hand just waving about. Oh, unbelievable. Because um, again, I've always thought like when people run upstairs and there's a chest of drawers or something right there, it's like shove it in front of the door, knock your yep. wardrobe over, make it as difficult as possible to get into your fucking room. I uh, I laughed at the bit. Um, I don't. Sorry, that's the wrong thing. I don't laugh at it, but I I, I looked at it. <laughs> All right, holy... yeah, I know. <laughs> but, um, it's like the complete opposite, in fact. But that. Uh, the bit where Gail like cowers down in the corner because she just can't think of what to do. I was like, holy shit, like that's that's brilliant. But the bit I did find funny is that soundproof glass is also apparently bulletproof glass. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, I don't think that works that way. And also, last time I checked, soundproof glass isn't like one hundred percent completely yeah, infallible. You can't hear a thing. Soundproof glass it make noise. Because I'm confused. Did do we just leave the microphone on and that's why we can hear the chair and Ghostface smashing their fists against it, but we couldn't hear Dewey or what what the deal was with that. But I think he must have like knocked it on and left it yeah. on, sort of thing. Um yeah. But yeah, like him knocking against the glass, I was like, she would hear that. Yeah. Like you don't hear somebody shouting through it maybe as much. But, but yeah, you, you would hear him like smacking on the glass, it. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then her going back, like screaming but like putting her hands up and no noise coming out on the other side and I'm just like rubbish Um, and it's like I'm throwing that chair and everything at it I was like it'd be broken it would break it's not bulletproof glass it's not it's not completely it's not like two panes put together or anything it's literally it's just glass if the set they built for that show is anything to go by that college doesn't fuck around with feeble stuff that's very true. They built this shit to last. <laughs> they had like pure Walt, Walt Disney style sound effects going on with all the thunder and everything as well. I was like, holy shit. Those sets were fucking built. They were just like stopping bullets. <laughs> they were, but did you notice the electric work in it? Clearly came out of like the 1920s. Those big massive levers like out of Hitchcock films. I was like, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> That's because they've blown all the budget on the set. Yeah. They had to keep no. the old equipment. I, I do like that. that's when we go to the sorority party and you get that awesome. Everyone thinks that sororities are just about blowjobs, but that's not, uh, but it's not true. It's like no, we just save condom sex. <laughs> but I like the Matthew Lillard's in the background. He gives Mickey a hug. Oh shit! During that really? bit, the blonde guy with glasses is Matthew Lillard. <gasps> and you see him hug that. Mickey in the background, which Wes Craven's thing was. It was one screen killer passing the torch to the next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think should have been a thing then that you see Timothy Oliphant in the background of Screen Three and that'd have been good. I would have liked that because I think he was dating Neve Campbell at the time or was starting to date her, so he'd gone to visit her on set. And he said, "Stuart Sidney just seems wrong." (laughs) Yeah, that does. He did always have a thing for her, though. He did. He did Uh, eventually get in there. Then there we go. He managed it. (laughs) Jimmy Kennedy did not. (laughs) That's where we find out Mickey hates Ewoks. (laughs) <laughs> but and then yeah obviously you get the Sydney attack and yeah Derek saving the day I do like yeah. how Derek ominously wanders off in the background again just sowing that seed that he just goes out of shot so you don't know whether he is ghost face or not he can't possibly because he couldn't be hiding that fucking wardrobe but you Derek's, don't know whether he's making the phone call Derek's Christian counsellor but he's also a creep 
<laughs> but I, I, yeah, I think he's a creep of convenience. But yeah, um, I do like when Dewey runs into the house and. Um, Derek says he went that way and when he looked he got the two sorority girls her from Arrested yeah. Development and her from Dead Like Me just stood there like the twins from The Shining yeah hello <laughs> he um, he was kind of useless I, I just thought why is he here why did Dewey bother showing up like I he's like literally they gave useless him a limp, <clears throat> that there yep, was they... a consequence to him getting knifed and hand and the hand. hand is like stuck in place, but he was utterly fucking useless. And I do like that they gave him the bro- Hans Zimmer's Broken Arrow music as his theme. Yep. They gave him this really cool theme. And he, uh, the fall that he does down the stairs in the, well, it isn't it a theater? In, in the lecture room, isn't it? It's... In the lecture room, yeah. Is Which again, like... was there not a video at the police <clears throat> station you could have used? Yeah, Literally probably. on the steps of the police station. <laughs> They could have been like, look, I've been given this footage. If you've got a VCR, we can watch it. There might be something on it, and we can point them out to you kind of thing. Well, she but... still has the van, doesn't she? No, it's a crime scene, because... Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. But um... yeah, the police station surely is easier than going through a yeah. lecture hall, trying to find a room that's unlocked. With two videos. Yeah. My ad. <laughs> Which again, um, it's another convenience. <laughs> yeah, massive convenience. Um, but his fall down the stairs, there was like something out of the Three Stooges. Yeah, it literally was missing, like whoop, 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 as he was falling. <laughs> That's why I'll take. Do we be in there? Obviously, you've got the adopted big brother to Sydney thing because mm-hmm. even though we never mentioned Tatum, which Derek is the Tatum <laughs> of this film, which we'll come on to later. But yeah. Um, You've got that, and I love his thing with him and Randy. Where they're like, you know, if Mick is oh, a yeah. suspect, then I'm a suspect. Whoa, 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 whoa. How do we know you're not a suspect? Well, if I'm a suspect, then you're a suspect. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Let's get down to business. The way I see it, someone's out to make a sequel. You know, cash in on all the movie murder hoopla. So it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage candy. Your core audience just expects it. And number three, if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever... How do we find the killer, Randy? That's what I want to know. Oh, let's look at the suspects. There's Derek, the obvious boyfriend. Hello, Billy Loomis. The guy's pre-madness pity me surface wound conveniently missed every major vein and artery. So you think it's Derek? Not so fast. Let's assume the killer, or Urs, has a half a brain. He's not a Nick at Night rerun type of guy. He wants to break some new ground. Right? Right. So forget the boyfriend. He's tired. Who else do we got? There's... Mickey, the freaky Tarantino film student. But if he's a suspect, so am I. So let's move on. Well, let's not move on. Maybe you are a suspect. Well, if I'm a suspect, you're a suspect. You have a point. Okay, let's move on. He's so good good in this film. Again, I think David Arquette's a really underrated comedy actor, possibly because outside of the screen films, he's largely done a lot of shit. He has, and he's he's largely played like very just David Arquette characters. He's not really been good characters. He's he's not had a a a, any sort of. 
he's not had to put on any sort of persona or anything. Yeah. He's just had to be him a lot of the time, which it's not good. David Arquette's just a big stoner. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, but and I, I do like in that bit before that when they're seeing the thing from Stab that one, they got Tory Spell in to play Sydney, yep. which is a throwback to the film. And I love Luke Wilson as Billy. It's amazing. Like, eh? The sort of playing him like a Keanu Reeves type, but with like the surfer accent kind yeah. of thing. It's, it's the just hair. the way he redoes that stupid thing. It's stupid. <laughs> so good. It's it's spot on parody in itself. Oh man! But and obviously you get Randy going through the rules of the sequel. Mm-hmm. Although he gets cut off with the "if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never ever," and we never find out what that could have been the key to Hollywood. Oh yeah, he cuts him off. Oh, and before that, we got all right. This seems really divisive, as far as I know. Where do you stand on Derek Top Gun in Sydney and singing "I Think I Love You" in the cafeteria? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, just because there's just no need in it. I didn't like she, she gets rid of him again like two minutes later. Yeah, you know what I mean, like there's just I, there's no point in it, and it just slows the film up. And it could have went from two hours to an hour and forty five if you just got rid of that. Yeah. I I swing on it. It's a lovely little rom com scene in the middle of a mm-hmm. horror film, which doesn't feel like it belongs, but it's also fucking awful. But I have, I've, like I say, I've swum on it. There's times where I watch it, and I'm like, I really quite like this. It's quite a sweet little moment in a, in the film kind of thing. But at the same time, like you say, it's like they're big, you can trust me kind of thing. And then next minute, she's like, "Why are you here? Where's Mickey?" Yeah. <laughs> and it's so it is completely pointless. And yep. it's also the last time we see Mickey until his reveal at the end of the film and his little dancing. Yep. But I do love the way the two cops are reacting to it. Or not reacting to it, just something. Not reacting. What the fuck is yeah. it? Jerry O'Connor looked really uncomfortable doing it as well. Apparently that was his like audition it's... to do that scene. Oh, was it? Shit. Um, all the Derek's had to audition with that scene. But there's a great interview clip where he was like, I tried my best. <laughs> there's also a great outtake where he's singing and he jumps on the wrong table and he just sings, I've gone the wrong table. <laughs> I always... Do you know what? I just kept expecting him to fall at some point. Yeah. Like he would step on a table and I would think, like, is this the bit where he falls and it gets all awkward or something? That would have made more sense as well. Like he's just a bit of a dipshit or whatever. Um a bit just a a bit of a a goof or something like that, you know? Yeah, but like instead say, it was I've, I've come to dislike it. I quite it like I say, I think it was a nice bit of levity in the film to break it up a bit for me, because it was getting a bit or not getting a bit much, but just, yeah. But it does feel like it belongs in a rom-com. And then the song that plays over the very end is very rom com music. Yeah. You could take that I, bit of music I'm... that plays when Sydney's walking away and just replace it with her kissing her boyfriend. Yeah. At the end of a team rom-com. <laughs> I thought of it as, like, just mentioning it again, it was like Cruel Intentions or something. Yeah. Or Ten like... I Hate About You. Yeah, I can imagine that playing over Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles kissing as the <laughs> camera pans out into the air. It was so strange. It was so weird. And then they had the same thing again in this one where they tried to get like a weird jump scare thing after the credits where it just suddenly flashed up loads of images of Ghostface yeah. and then just that was it. But 
I don't know about you, but like I didn't feel like any of this was that any of this one was scary at any point. None of it made me go, oh fuck. I found it scarier in the cinema, but I think that's just being in the cinema as well. It's like mm-hmm. Event Horizon terrified me in the cinema. I watched it on video and I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the sound. And there are a couple of genuinely great tense moments in it. The bit where Gale's being chased through, mm-hmm. that's a really nice tense bit. And climbing over the unconscious ghost face in the front seat of the police car, which we'll come on to in a bit anyway, but that's a really tense scene. And apparently that was yeah. a late addition. Oh, really? Didn't even really get to rehearse that. So Neve Campbell had to do that weird bend no back to slip out of the back seat thing. Oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, yeah, like I say, so I swing on that Derek scene. Again, yeah. I quite like Derek. I just found it quite a nice romantic moment in a film that wasn't a rom-com. <laughs> it was just weird. It was just, weird. It had no place being in there. And like you yeah. say, it's then completely undermined. The other scene that sort of divides people is David Warner's scene, because a lot of people see it as a sinister scene. It is. I don't see it as sinister. I see it as a mentor slash teacher. Just... I don't know. I just fi- I just found it really odd. I also didn't understand. That was another bit. I didn't understand why it was there. It was it, it was literally just to have the stage at the end, and that was it. And because even her having like a wee bit of like a mental break, I was like, it just it, none of this really accounts for anything at all. Like, there's nothing else that's really happening in this. Because she goes from like having a mental break to all of a sudden turning and being like, I want to see what's under that mask in the car. And it's just like, I just, she goes from being like scared, petrified little girl to badass again. You know what I mean? And it's like, we've already done this. She would already be a badass level. I mean, she'd she'd be sick of the shit already. So instead of like running away from like Ghostface, she would be actually going like, who is it? You know what I mean? Like it would have made more sense at that point if she she was then trying to chase them around and then turn around to her being like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, Instead of her falling over and like crying and running away or whatever, and it just I don't know, it just it came across as really odd. And the way he was speaking to her and stuff, it just I don't know, it was really insidious. It just came across a bit kind of creepy. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe maybe it says more about me than it, but I just I, don't I mean I, he, I, he completely undermines it all with the there's no understudy, I'm desperate at the end. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's just a pleasure to see David Warner in something. I think the film I'd seen him in just before this was Titanic, obviously, where he was. Yeah, um, I love. I just I I love. David yeah, no, Warner. it's interesting. I just never saw it as sinister. I get that it's possibly meant to be sinister, and the stuff he is saying to her, but it does feel like I don't know if he's was... different to a football coach mm. telling a player that's struggling, kind of thing, but. It's maybe just because he's the only British voice, except yeah, from be. Jimmy Kennedy. Um, it's because he says it in that low thing, and what he is saying is quite intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do like, even though, like you say, it's got no place in there beyond having a stage for the, a literal stage for the finale to happen on kind of thing. I do like how the, is it Oriestria? Estia? Not sure you say it. I do like how that rehearsal sort of mirrors the stabbing a Maureen at the beginning. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like... Yeah, that's good. For for want of a better term, high-end art versus low-end art, as far as you know, certain snobby critics kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It just would have. It just it so would have made more sense to have Sydney be a bit more like forthright about it, rather than like falling all over the joint and running away from them and everything. It just that that just didn't make any sense to me. I was just sitting like she'd be sick of it by now. Yeah, she's already been through this. It it sort of is the last time you get that regression of her character. Yeah, I suppose it makes sense in this one because it's kind of like the. The diehard same shit happened to the same person twice, kind of thing. So I get maybe that would not you for six bit. There are some stupid mistakes that I don't, but again, I've not been in that situation. So yeah. it's easy in hindsight to be kind of like that. And then, <laughs> obviously, then we get the Randy Ghostface phone call leading to his death. Like I say, I was gutted that Randy was quite possibly literally gutted. <laughs> <laughs> it was him and, um, Okay, he 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 died and Dewey didn't. But it was just the fact that they both got it again. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, oh, come on, man. And it wasn't a shame that it was him that actually bit it as well. It would have I think it would have been good if if they were gonna do it, that they maybe just chose one of them and one of them did it, but they didn't actually die. Like they did Dewey again or whatever, and then he didn't die. And Jamie Kennedy survives or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, I just keep calling him Jamie Kennedy because that's yeah. every time I see him, that's all I keep. He is Randy, but I, I just keep seeing him as Jamie Kennedy. Um, but I think that they just like having him going around on the phone and then killing him in the van. It was just, it wasn't yeah. great. Again, just stand in the middle of that fucking quad. Exactly. Don't back up against anything. I didn't I understand why the convenient boombox. That... Yeah, I, I I didn't understand them going around looking for who's. Let's go around and look for who's on a phone. No, you don't go and find the person that's wielding a knife and killing yeah. people. You go well, stand here and wait for them to come to us. <laughs> although I do like when Gail grabs the phone off that one girl and the woman's like, "Who's this?" She's like, "Gail Weathers, author of the Woodsboro Murders." Yeah. Like, Who? <laughs> <laughs> I love the tackle that Dewey does on that guy. Like, takes him out of the game. That's worthy of a. That's worthy. And I love as they're walking game. away from him because they realise Randy's gone missing. And it's just like, I don't know, Mum. This guy just came from nowhere. No, I'm fine. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> but yeah, I do like you know, Randy's thing. You know, scariest movie you ever saw. Showgirls, definitely showgirls. Yeah. <laughs> and all that. I must admit, as I've got older, I find Jamie Kennedy quite fucking obnoxious in this film. I still really mm-hmm. like him in Scream, but I find him quite fucking unbearable in this one. He doesn't really have anything to do in this one. He at doesn't, all. no. I, I kind there. of would have liked him to be the killer. Yep. I think I would have preferred him to be the killer over Mickey, and it could have kind of worked. In this toxic masculinity thing, he went through all that with Sydney, and she still fucking rejects him. Mm-hmm. Or not rejects him, but you know, doesn't see him in that light. I still, I'm, I'm still waiting for the the moment they pull a scary movie and make it Dewey, <laughs> Doofy. <laughs> but I, I do quite like the reveal of Dead Randy as well. He looks like he properly got fucking messed up. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the same as Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, uh, she was like after they threw her off the roof. It's just like impact. Off the back of the head and all the blood and everything and all her legs and cut then, to then bits and ribbons. Classic ghost face knife swipe. Yep. Um, Which I, never actually cleans the blade ever. No. 
every yeah, time they do it, it's always the blood a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> I, I do like how they put two detectives guard in Sydney. He says, "I put my two best detectives on it." That feels like a waste of detectives when you've got a serial murderer on the loose. Yeah. <laughs> Surely you want your two best uniform guys doing that and your detectives trying to find the fucking killer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, if they're your best. Because they have it's that... not saying really, much. They have that really weird, sinister moment where they're like, Hades like, where are you taking us? It's like, mm, we, we'd like to tell you, but then we'd have to kill yeah, you. We'd kill you. Yeah. Dudes, read the room. Also, I love how they say that in Sydney at that point. It goes like, <laughs> I'm just like, why are you laughing? Yeah, but it's like... like a, <laughs> <laughs> but, well he gets these commandments anyway doesn't he he does the, um, is it Richards the older one yep when he gets the thing through his head and you just see his gun in his hand and his hands twitching yep that's his whole thing his head's twitching yeah but it's head just is the way, actually good. it's the hand yeah. that it focuses on the most it's just the way it's still twitching it's just like and obviously Randy's died so Gail's now feeling guilty about everything and takes it out on yep Debbie Salt again, which Debbie Salt is mm. kind of within her right to want to just, if, even if she wasn't Billy Loomis's mum, it's perfectly within her right to be like, I'm going to kill Gail Weathers now. She's a bitch. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, that scene where they've got to climb over unconscious ghost face is that really tense. The only thing that ruins it for me, it was quite effective in the cinema, but it doesn't work on repeat viewing, is when she accidentally toots the horn. I know. It's just so boring. It's it's just it just doesn't work at all, and I I think they really should have had them remove the mask yeah. and her see, but maybe the audience didn't see because it would have been good for her to get back, see who it is, or even get like half a face, yeah, and then him just like grab her or something like that. And at that point, like something happens that means that the audience don't see it, but she stands there like, I know who it is. A bit you know like I mean? in the first one when Casey pulls the mask off as she's being stabbed, and you know yeah. she recognizes it from the way Drew Barrymore's eyes go. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, it's such a stupid fucking scene. It's mm-hmm. like, fair enough, maybe don't do it until you're out, but once you're out, just whip that mask off. Also, there's a cop there with his gun on the bonnet. You exactly. can this shit. Grab that gun. <laughs> it, it does just... lead to that kind of again it's more of a convenience but like in Ghostface turns into Jason and just disappears from one place and stealthily yep. appears behind yep. Haley, and then completely wastes that character I would have quite liked for a couple of the new characters to survive to go on into the next one Yeah, I kind of yeah, feel but... like keeping the core three alive and then not bringing anybody else back to add to that Feels a little bit like, like a, a missed opportunity. Characters. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity. I think a lot of the time as well. Like I say, I think if Randy had been the killer and Mickey wasn't, I mean, Mickey by very nature being Timothy Oliphant is kind of slightly unhinged anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it would, and then you could have had the Tim Mickey take from the place of Randy for the third film. So you still got your film nerd guy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I say, they sort of carry Cotton on, and like I say, I can't wait to see what they do with him in the third one. I assume he has a massive part. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, huge. <laughs> but 
And the other thing that really pisses me off with this film is that the sorority go after Derek when there's a curfew on, there's a fucking serial killer on the loose, and they think it's a good idea to incapacitate him by tying him to a fucking star. Yep. And just leaving him hanging there for any fucker to come and knife. And walking about with, like, weird Greek knives as well. It's like, what the fuck, man? Which the, the theory is, is that Mickey saw the opportunity to then sort of bait the plan for the brothers to then... Yeah. But again, it's a massive convenience. Sydney go in to the theatre, because you can hear the music, instead of mm-hmm. thinking, the police station is clearly really close to this campus. <laughs> it's like I'll you say, though... There. It's like you say, though, like, she's been through it before. She should have just grabbed the gun and shot whoever it was yeah. without without any question. Just grab the gun, blow the brains out, take the mask off and maybe recognise a bit and go, oh, yeah. Well, he's punched the shit out of him in the face a couple of times. So you yeah, don't want exactly. to kill him, but just want to make sure he stays unconscious. <laughs> or she. <laughs> she. She made a good effort of um, shooting Laurie Metcalf later on. So Yeah, the- <laughs> The shooting Mickey when he pops up. Cool. Fair enough. Justified. No pun intended. <laughs> shooting missing Lo- Mrs. Uh, Loomis in the forehead when she's down. I don't know. That's a questionable one for me. I, I'm not I sure felt like she... I'd hold up in court. I, yeah, I know. I felt like she was going to do it anyway. Yeah. And then he just happened to get up, so they did that. Um, yeah, I don't know how that would hold up when the police come. I suppose, like, again, shooting an unconscious ghost face, whether that would hold up. But I'd just be like, you fucking scared me. He came too. Yeah, I mean, so he's going to have a knife. Fucker. Yeah, He's going to have a knife on him, isn't he? So you just say, I just shot him because he had his knife on him. Uh, tried to stab me. End of. It, the annoying thing about them getting out of the car as well is the fact that um, to go through all that for it to just end up that way, like... I, like almost 30 seconds later was just a bit shit. Yeah. It was like, you don't go through all of that and that whole scene for it to just be completely reversed like 30 seconds later. It's just a waste. There was lots of there was lots of moments in this where it was like, I don't understand why that was, that was the choice. Yeah. Like there was loads of stuff that could have happened there but they went with that and it was like, uh, it I mean, could it just be the case. Anything, Ghostface, Ghostface doesn't even chase her. It's like he knows where she's going to go. Mm -hmm. So I got in my notes, Ghostface, no chase. (laughs) But I like your idea that it should have been Sydney chasing Ghostface. Mm -hmm. 100%. Being kind of like, you fuck, I'm going to get you this time. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, it's... Like I say, it's just... It all comes together in quite the convenience at the end. that You've got Derek in the right place. You've got... Sydney's actually been lured in. What would they have done if she'd gone to the police station? Or if she'd just gone home? <laughs> Derek would have just been going, Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> My penis is really drunk because they poured a beer down on it. <laughs> Which Where one is everybody? Like, I've never been in a, frat, a fraternity or anything like that, but what's what's the uh, funneling beer into your pants thing about? No idea. I, do you know what, in all honesty, I didn't understand why there was a whole fraternity thing going on through it, that whole film full stop. I think it's just the critique on the college thing, isn't it? It's yeah. Just... But it was just like I didn't it, it was like it was a huge part of it as well. And also that little necklace must be like uranium or something. Because 
I mean, that was one hell of a hit that um, oh, it cuts Mickey, Mickey took. Yeah, I'm sitting going, it's a tiny thing on a chain. Like it's not, it's not like a big like flavor flav style clock medallion. <laughs> it was literally just a tiny little thing that you could have bought from fucking Argos for like a fiver. <laughs> And he got a massive cut on his face and got knocked to the floor. I'm like, was it Elizabeth what? Duke? That was the Argos jewelry on. <laughs> yeah, or they going back they... to the days of global video. And... But yeah, it was you know, uh, oh, one thing about this, like, what was it? One thing about Billy, you're forgetting I killed that motherfucker or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I don't think you're gonna like you're literally gonna hit him in the face and he'll go, would you hit me with a leaf? Like, what is this? I, I'd be I, honestly, that was that would be as effective as chucking a one pence piece at his nose. I mean, like, hey, hey you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I killed that get force, a one pence piece could do a bit of damage, but I do. I'm always torn on the death of Derek thing because you know it's brutal. It's it's not so much that that's brutal. It's fucking Mickey mocking her afterwards. Like you should really work on your trust issues. I kind of feel like Sydney gets over it really quickly, given that she's Very kind of responsible. Yep. She also forgets, and we as an audience forget that he's there. Yeah, because they just raise him up. You don't see yep. Sydney getting down and be crying over his dead body yep. or anything. It's like that's it. Like I say, gone. he's he's the Tatum of this film. And she does sticking... carry on wearing the necklace in the next film, but. Yeah, but that's that, it. there's there's no reference to Derek, who essentially was a nice Christian Bible boy. Yeah. Yep. Who gave her a really intimate kiss at one point, and that was about it. I, I kind of think they could have done more with Derek in a sequel. Yeah, probably. I don't understand why they killed him, much to be honest. The same role that what's his face from Grey's Anatomy does and Patrick Dempsey does in the third film. Yep. Just he's not a detective. I just I don't get why they like full on killed him as well. Like they didn't just like maim him. That he got shot like a big old fucking bullet hole right through oh, the when heart. the blood starts, where it, you see the hole, and then there's a slight delay, and then the blood starts coming out. It's horrible. Yep, he and got his, a really gory death. He got a really, with that. He got a really good little bit of delivery with that. With the you know, I never would have hurt you, Sid. Yeah. That's fucking heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, bye there. <laughs> that, that big rom-com moment for you. You still didn't trust him. And then you kind of trusted him. And then you don't trust him now. Which, I again, mean, if Derek to... was in on it, would you really be kind of like, well, he's tied up? You know, it's all right. We got her. Would you not be like, this is kind of sus? But yeah, exactly. Tried, I'd rather she tried to untie him and he got fucking shot dead. Yep. You know, at to... least be making some effort to be like, no, I believe you. Yeah, and instead she's like, this happened to me once before. It's like, yeah, it happened to you once before. It's not going to happen again. With a okay. completely different fucking psychopath. Exactly. The whole, I mean, don't get me wrong, the whole thing's happening again, but the minute, de- the minutia minutia details are not going to be exactly the same. It's not going to be your man again. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely think if Derek had been the killer as originally intended, it would have fucking killed this franchise dead. Oh yeah. It would have just been like, oh, it's fucking exactly the same shit. Like you say, I also, it's, it's quite similar anyway. Yeah, it's very I think also if it had been cotton, I think they would have fallen into a trap with that as well. Yeah, like I say, the only one that would have made sense for me was Randy. 
possibly Gale. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I still say I would have loved to have seen Dewey. Cotton, <laughs> I never believed, was the killer. It was too obvious. Mm. They kept pushing it that way. And yep. I never really believed it was Derek, partly because of it would have been repeating old grain, and partly because they was really starting to lay on a sinister tone to him quite thickly. Yeah. But, and like I said... Could just had our dad, our dad come back again. Yeah, <laughs> it was me. <laughs> but Billy's mum and Billy's dad got back together over the death of their son, and they decided they're gonna fuck her up. Yep. But and I, I really liked Mickey. I didn't want it to be Mickey either. But when he reveals and he like is insanely going through his plan, it's so fucking good. He's so yep. good. He's again, gonna play play the film underrated actors who can do good guy and bad guy at the flip of a switch yeah at the flip of a switch that's the thing um he's got that kevin bacon thing yeah i'm really liking this guy oh no he's a fucking asshole i hate him speaking of which kevin bacon they say six degrees of kevin bacon or whatever in this film when they they say that it's all happening because of sydney yeah not really but in a weird six degrees of kevin bacon kind of way to which i thought how long has that been going on years I, could, I, I couldn't believe that I thought that was a fairly new thing no it was um, mid 90s I think it started maybe 96 I remember I, becoming aware of it. no I'm pretty sure I was still at school when it started I mean don't be wrong fan, so I was kind of like you know people are talking about Kevin Bacon true I, I mean don't get me wrong I, I knew it was obviously before he started becoming Mr. E.E. E. Man and whatnot. <laughs> um, but uh I did think I did think it was it was meant to be like a newish thing, and then when they said it in that, I was like, "Oh, this is the first time I've heard this out with the two thousands. Yeah, no, it's like, definitely mid nineties. Um, how did that come about? I honestly don't know. I think people just realised that he'd worked with so many people in a short space of time, uh, okay, and that you could connect everybody back to him just because of the body of work he had and the yeah, people he'd worked yeah, yeah. with. Because um, he's one of those actors that's been in a lot more films than people think, and mm. a lot more big films than you, some people remember. Oh god, yeah. Um, people always forget that he's in Friday the Thirteenth. I know. <laughs> they so always the forget with it. an arrow. Yeah, I do like the misdirect of Gale. Yeah, like, here's my partner. Because there's just a long enough pause that in the cinema everybody did go. <laughs> oh, fucking shit. But then you're kind of like, well, who would she be acting for when Dewey's getting knifed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of thing. And um, and then obviously the reveal of Mrs. Loomis. And you're like, everybody, I think, was like, who the fuck? Debbie Salt, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, how the fuck? Where the fuck? Why the fuck? I and just, I. Randy flags it earlier because he says about Mrs. Voorhees was a great killer. Yep, it's exactly. Like, that's a random line to throw in. And then. Mm-hmm. I loved them. Um... I loved Gail's reaction to it. I was like, Mrs. Lewis, he's like, what? And she's looking like, I don't, she's I've like, seen, you look like I've a... seen pictures of her. It's yeah. like 60 pounds. And... Yeah, lose 60 pounds and get a bit of work done. And boom. Yeah. <laughs> I do like um, Mickey's Mrs. Uh, Billy's mother. Yeah. <laughs> she does oh, yeah, turn so... on Billy <clears throat> too quickly as well. No, not Billy, yeah, like sorry, that. Mickey. Uh, Mickey, yeah, like straight away. Oh, like, Mickey! Wait until you've there's, dealt with your people first, and then there's not going to be a trial. 
Um, yeah, we were speaking about Timothy Oliphant about him um, turning it on and off like like a switch. Um, he was like that in The Girl Next Door because he played like the really cool guy that knew the girl, um, but he's just kind of putting on that front of being nice and then two seconds later he's slapping the shit out of um, Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch, yeah. yeah Sorry, I had slapping... Judd Hirsch in my head, which was the guy yeah. from Taxi and Independence Day. I was like, it definitely wasn't him. And then he's slapping the shit out of Emil Hirsch and battering him and everything and turning into this like total psycho guy and then he, he like switches it off again for a second being like oh I'm really sorry buddy I made you bleed and then he hits him again <laughs> it's like holy he's shit he's like that in Go as well though I really like that yeah. he's a fucking psychopath yeah <laughs> have you seen like... The Girl Next Door I saw it years ago I honestly can't remember much about it amazing it we'll came need to out around the same time as I think I Want Candy the British one with what's his oh, face right. from... who's Corbin Strike oh yeah yeah yeah, I, I really I love his reaction when he realizes that Deb is betrayed him. Just that close up of his eyes, we're like, the oh, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it just lets off a random lucky shot that hits Gale. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like who takes one hell of a tumble off the stage, taking part of the stage with him. Like, What's a rip made of that the bullet just bounced off it as well? <laughs> yeah. I do like when Mickey comes back as well. It's like full on, yeah. like he's a fucking muppet with guns strapped to it. <laughs> um, I love when Cotton turns up as well. He's like, "Will somebody tell me what the fuck is going on?" Yeah, I love it when he like he shoots her and then he just goes, Whew, "That was intense." <laughs> he's so good, actually. Like, I mean, Lee Schreiber is a great actor, anyway, but. Playing that whole kind of dumbass thing behind it of like he just wants to be famous as well, like yeah. on top of the being mad, but he is just like fame hungry. Like, oh, uh, I don't know, you know. It, Come on, it's it's a uh, what's her what's her name? It's the the talk show host or whatever. It's like it's this woman. Come on, come oh, on, um, Sid. Oh fuck yeah, it's gone from my head. Yeah, same. Um, but yeah. I mean, he's great anyway, considering that he was only employed for that one shot in the first Scream film. Mm-hmm. They had no intention of bringing Cotton back at the time. Yep. Yep. Because he's always been like, it was the easiest day's work I did. I had to walk down yeah. steps and get in a car. <laughs> he's but so good. I will take that check. Thank you very much. I love Lee Schreiber. He is. I think he's amazing. He's great and he's gone on. I didn't watch the whole series I gave part of the first one, but he was great in Ray Donovan. I love him in. Um, some of all fears. I keep I keep meaning to watch um, Ray Donovan. I love him in um, Defiance yeah. for the little for the little that he's in it compared to Craig and uh, Bell. Yeah, uh, he's he's amazing as the 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 older brother that that takes off. He's great. Yeah, he's yeah again. Big fan, like I said, I really like him as Clark in Some of All Fears. Mm-hmm. He's, he's great in Salt as well. Yes, he's really good in Salt. I do like that he gets his moment in the spotlight at the end. Mm-hmm. The wee nod. There, uh, I like his. You know, there is a time, there is a place, and indeed a price. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got the business card just at the yeah. ready. Like, hey. I love that he gives Sydney a business card. Doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, Diane Sawyer. That's it. 
that's it. Come on, so it's Diane Sawyer. <laughs> I just like the considerate done, and I love the way Laurie Metcalf on her face is like, I am fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot Straight offer away. him that. It, she's yeah. so good. Again, she's amazing. She is, wasn't in more stuff. Or, you know, didn't get the Oscar for Lady <laughs> She just clearly, like, she doesn't care about any of that at all. No, I know. I mean, Oscars mean nothing anyway, but I can't even remember who fucking won that year. No, no, can I? Um, but yeah, and then we get the end. Sydney walking off. She's got her boyfriend killed. Where's she going? <laughs> all her friends are fucking dead. <laughs> Where are you going, Sydney? Yeah, exactly. All she's got is Dewey now, who's literally in a hospital. I do like that Gail, instead of doing the news report this time, goes off with Dewey. Yeah. Yeah. I love, off with Dewey. I love Dewey's mumble. I do like that, you know, oh no, they fucking killed Dewey again. Dewey's alive again. Yeah. <laughs> um, he got a brutal as well. He got another couple of stabs to the back. Yeah, I can't remember whether he's still limping in the third one. I know by the fourth one it's gone. I don't think he is in the third one. So I want to say in the third one. Corrected it. <laughs> yeah, I want to say in the third one they actually say that. I, I want to say one that they say that. Yeah, the limp's gone now because he either had surgery or yeah. When he got stabbed um, the second time, it fixed it for him. That's why. I would have loved for it to have been him that was the killer because it would have been good to have him like limping about and then all of a sudden, you know, he's just sauntering in and just like, well, 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 you know, like <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, they originally shot it that the song that played over it was going to be Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. But that's the end of Cruel Intentions. But yeah, obviously this predates that. And when it pulled back, there was going to be a third ghost face on the bell tower. Oh. Looking down at Sydney. Oh, that'd have been great. Which apparently they did shoot that. Apparently there's a still of the stunt guy like just hanging around on the bell tower. Nice. Leaning against a wall. And people, there was speculation as to whether it was just a fan who'd gone there and had that photo taken in costume. All right, okay. Somebody had concerned that it was, that it was the thing. And I'm sure Wes Craven said it. Somebody involved with the film has said some whether that was the original intention. But I cannot find it on anything official. Yeah. Um but that would have been really cool that there was a third ghost face. That would have been cool. Possibly could have then been what would have led into screen three and whether that yeah. would have been the killer we got or somebody different. Um, the endings the endings are like Kind of the, the end of the first one and the end of this one, they're just kind of there's nothing to them really. The end of the uh, first one's great. I love the Moby track play. I mean, we talked about yeah. it last time, but I love yeah, the yeah, Moby yeah. track play and I love Gail doing the rehearsal for mm-hmm. a thing for the TV and then going live with it. That made sense to me. This yep. one, like I say, that music feels like it's from the end of a mid uh, late 90s teen rom com, mm-hmm. like a 10 Things I Hate About You or a Never Been Kissed or whatever. But the but the both of them just kind of it is like it's wrapped up, you know. This is it, like it's, you know, let's just move on or whatever, you know. Well, um, I think again, originally one idea was that if Cotton was the killer, him and Sydney would have stabbed each other, and that would have ended it. Ah, uh, okay. 
because I know See, originally I... when he pitched Scream to the Weinsteins, he did it as a trilogy. Mm. But I don't know how much of a trilogy he had in mind. I still think the third one... Because he had nothing to do with the third one, really. He didn't write the script. No, one. no, he didn't, no. I, I, I still think the third one's got one of the best endings in the in the franchise. Yes, yeah, that final shot is great. It's amazing. I think it's got the weakest opening of the three, but I think it's got the best ending. Yes. Um. But yeah, and then we get the uh, I Think I Love You by Less Than Jake play over the You Have Been Watching credits. Yeah. After the Ghostface one final jump scare thing. I quite like, I would have liked just, even if it wasn't an obvious shot, it was just sort of there and you may not have noticed it the first time mm. that there was somebody dressed as Ghostface on that bell yeah. tower. Yep. I don't think it needed to be a like Mickey looking over or Ghostface looking over at Cece's body on the floor kind of thing. Mm. Just like I say, corner of your eye kind of thing. A bit like when you yep. see the frat bros sneaking around in the background when Derek's saying goodbye to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Just those little things that you don't necessarily notice the first time. It would have been good. Just a wee shadow or something that's hanging over that you would almost blink and you miss it. Sort and of in thing. some ways, it might have filled in a few plot holes as to who killed who and what was going it's on true. when kind of thing. Yep. But, I mean, we'll get to it with the third one with extra killers that weren't. Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting <clears throat> I'm waiting for the one unless it's in uh, five and six. I'm waiting for the one where it lit- literally explicitly ends with the fucking voice box giving it like <laughs> Just like Freddy's hand coming out and taking the ghost face mask down. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. I mean, the screen films have always been good with not really sequel baiting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's true. The first one was almost like a sequel bait in a way with just the, you know what I mean, like yeah. the scary thing, but not really. That was just a, an extra little jump scare to get you at the end. That was about the, the best jump scare in the whole film. We spoke it's about that kind before. of impressive that Scream has gone on as long as it has. I know it's had I know. huge breaks in the middle because it's one of those films that didn't need a sequel, mm. possibly didn't lend itself to a sequel, that they managed to get a sequel out of it. Because um, I know this one gets a lot of criticism for being quite drawn out and quite repetitive. And like you say, there are scenes in it that even though I enjoy them sometimes, have no place in there. Yeah. You don't need them. It wasn't a two-hour film, and yet it was. Like, it shouldn't have been at no, all. No, I think Scream hour 45. solid, yeah, hour and a half to hour and 45, yep. yeah. Yep. But, like I say, I like it. It's It, it remains my second favourite for now, but whether on repeat when we come to watch three and when I do screen rewatches and what comes after. Like I say, one to four were the only ones I saw in the cinema. After that, I mm. dropped off seeing them in the cinema, I must admit. Whether yeah. as my eldest gets older, he'll want to go to the cinema to watch them when he's old enough, obviously. But I am looking forward to watching <clears throat> five and six. And although I do have the... Uh temptation to only watch them when we watch them there is a, a huge part of me as well that's, that's like that's a hell of a weight though isn't it yeah i'm thinking like should probably watch them <laughs> although i say that and then it'll come to the time when we eventually speak about it and i'll be like well it's the first time i've watched it. <laughs> it, it, yeah there's, there's things that i sort of tiptoe around because of 
you not having seen them, but mm. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, I mean, apologies. I, I was going to ask sort of where this fit in your fitted in your ranking of the ones you've seen, but we sort of covered that. And mm. Obviously, there's no different remakes. There <clears> were <throat> different versions, but whether they'd have been better or different or not, again, yeah. I don't know how much the Weinstein's got involved as well in fucking around with the film. That's true. Yeah, studios would have had something to do it at some point. Because, but yeah, so Excuse I mean, me. yeah, that's pretty much it until Scream Three next year. Mm-hmm. But justice for Derek, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, justice for Mickey. <laughs> justice for Mickey as well. Yeah, you got betrayed, man. Who knew you couldn't trust somebody you meet on a fucking serial killer forum? I know. What's the world coming to? Who defends her serial killer boyfriend? Uh, Son, I mean, I do like a thing about I'm sick of people blaming the parents. It's like, yeah, no, it was your kid's fault. He was a fucking nut job, and yeah. just. And I do like, I mean, Sydney calls her on it. It's like, and then you abandoned him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a whole psychology to Mrs. Loomis and the guilt of abandoning her child and all that stuff. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, so. But yeah, no, like I say, until Scream 3 next year, I think we've covered this. And is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, I, I think, I think um, I'm just, um, I am actually just massively looking forward to getting on to Scream 3 now, to be honest. I'm probably going to, I'm, I am probably going to watch it over the next couple of days because I could feel myself wanting to watch it. I love that film. Awesome. Is there anything you want to plug? Obviously, that comic smell is is out there. It is indeed. When it uh, out there and... Yeah, um, I am actually editing a, an episode just now, believe it or not, uh, that should be coming out soonish because I wanted to. It is actually one that I wanted to get out within a time frame, uh, where we covered, um, the the first issue of something to its latest issue. Oh, cool. Um, and just to like compare and contrast, and obviously with some of us choosing titles that were in the shops in the last month um, I would like to get it out just now so that you know people can actually make that comparison themselves and if they like what we're talking about they've got access to it sort of yeah. thing um, so that is coming I'm in, the midst of, I'm in the midst of doing that I'm actually not too far off finishing that but obviously I'm in the middle of setting up a business of my own so yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of juggling everything where I can but that's taking the main focus more than anything. They come uh, out when they come out, man. It's... They do, they do. Like life gets um, in the way. Yep. I'm, I'm not in the habit of anymore of doing it like two weekly or anything like that. I, I think I'd be happy if they were just coming out monthly, like when we meet up, they then just come out after it. But I have that many like back catalogue ones to put out that... You know, I'll, I'll just do them when I can. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not in any rush, and nobody seems to be saying like, "Oh, I need it now," sort of thing. Um, although quite happily, somebody did say that to me once, like, "Oh, when are you guys coming back?" Which was lovely. Um, you know, I I was enjoying when they drop, but it's always now it's sort of a nice surprise for me rather than a yeah. I knew that comic smell should have been out by now. Yeah, hey Tom, what the <laughs> fuck you playing at? <laughs> it's funny, I never ever had to put up with that. Um and then it was just recently, um 
well, it was, it was it was Tony actually. It was like, when are the boys coming back? Like, I need to. I, I miss hearing that. I was like, wow, you're this is new. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I say, every time you're on, it's just like eavesdropping on a group of friends talking about comics. It's great yeah. for that. It's what I really enjoy about it. It's quite a nice soothing thing, apart from when you Thanks, fuckers man. are pouring drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave! Dave made me rediscover Doctor Pepper recently. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, we were, th- we were thinking about it. I was like, this has been something like 26 years since I last had a Dr. Pepper. And now you've given me a Dr. Pepper. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, it's quite good, actually. It's not bad. Uh, but every time now, because you mentioned it, uh, I make a big deal out of like either pouring <laughs> it into a glass uh, or going like, mm. <laughs> That's why I'm sat on the toilet when I listen to your episode now. <laughs> Not catching um, me out, motherfucker. Yeah, so it's just that. I mean, like that, the, the podcast ticking on, the comics ticking on, but all on our time and yeah. is what it is. We're only on Instagram now. I got rid of the Twitter and stuff, so yeah. Yeah, like this, I say, I've only kept those ones to dump this and run. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, obviously, before we do Screen 3, I'm sure you'll be back at Christmas. So Yes. We, we need to plan yes. that, whether it's a special with John or Oh well, we 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 should definitely get the trio together we'll and do something. Get the trio together and work out what we're going to dissect this time. And awesome, cheers to this man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, man. Always a pleasure. Take care. See you later, man. Bye. Sydney, can you tell us how it feels to be a hero? Talk to Cotton. He's the man you want to interview. He's the hero. Cut! Look, guys, no one wants to give you this story more than I do. Unfortunately, there is a time and a place, and indeed, a price for everything. So feel free to call me. Come on, Cotton, tell us something. Well, uh... I'll tell you one thing. I'll make a hell of a movie. Thank you. That was Scream 2. And why not? I'd like to thank Tom for joining me in the episode to talk about the film. Check out the show notes for the links you need to check out That Comic Smell podcast. At the time of recording, Scream 2 is available in the UK on DVD and 4K or on Blu-ray as part of the Scream Trilogy or 6th Movie Collection from Paramount. We put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film and we had a reply from Piece of Rod on Instagram who said, I remember that my local cinema did a Scream night when Scream 3 premiered. You paid one ticket and you could watch Scream 1, 2 and 3 in a row. That was the only time I've seen the second one and I remember really liking it and disliking the third one. I think it's time for a rewatch. Thank you for the comment. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever this episode posted on our social media channels. You can give us a follow on Threads, Blue Sky and Instagram, or why not join the Am Why Not group on Facebook. Not only are we kept up to date of what episodes are coming up and have a chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search Am Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. 
If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating or a review if you have a second or two to spare. Or if you don't, we're just grateful that you spent the time listening to us. Thank you. If you missed any of our episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. And with that, Spooktober comes to a close. I'd like to thank Helena, Damien, Jalen, Ross, and Tom for joining me for the episodes, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening and commenting on the episodes as well. In the meantime, we'll be back on Tuesday the 14th of November, where I'll be joined by Stacey Taylor as we get animated in the New York City sewers and discuss the 2007 Heroes in a Half Shell adventure, TMNT. But until then, this has been a Nose of Run Cells production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, how do you know that my dim-witted inexperience isn't merely a subtle form of manipulation you should lower people's expectations, thereby enhancing my ability to effectively manoeuvre within any given situation? Bye for now.